Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out WrightFarmHouseChurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. We are continuing our series on the life of David. You can open your Bibles if you have one to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, And we are, so this is part three for today um, of our our lesson series. Last week we talked about Saul. If you remember, we talked about Saul and the fact that he did not wish to acknowledge or repent of his sin. And we are continuing our story today in chapter chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. What do we care about most when it comes to... To other people when it comes to others is it is it how they look or, or is it how they make us feel or how they make us look in front of others is it how much money that they make or what they what they have to offer us in this life is it whether they're interesting or um, in, maybe they're funny or maybe they're engaging and they're fun to be around When the people of Israel, when they first asked God for a king, they wanted a king who was a lot like the kings of the nations around them, that surrounded them. They wanted someone who looked the part, right? Someone who was tall and someone who was commanding. And the result was, of course, like we talked about, it was Saul. And in our last lesson, we learned the results of that choice were not good. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God does something new. He picks a new king to start a new era in Israel's history. So what do you think God cares the most about? Maybe the best way, I think, to answer that question, to figure that out, is to actually look at the king that he chose. The portrait of David that we see in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, is very diverse. He is the measure of an ideal king in the books of, of Kings and, and Chronicles. He's the, he's the sweet psalmist of Israel in the book of Psalms. He is the sire of the coming Messiah in the books of the prophets. And in modern times, we, we tend to see David as this pious shepherd boy who eventually becomes a faithful king by God's grace. And what is interesting though is is that 1st and 2nd Samuel they don't agree with this simplistic vision of David. The portrait of David in 1st and 2nd Samuel is complex to say the least. I read an author who who put it this way. He said David is portrayed as a giant slayer, shepherd, musician, manipulator of men, outlaw, disguised madman, loyal friend, loyal subject, lover, adulterer, warrior, murderer, dancer, merrymaker, griever, schemer, father, brother, son, master, servant, religious enthusiast, and worshiper. King David is a three-dimensional character full of the same kind of, of glory and ruin truth and and contradiction that we see when we look in in the mirror so so it leads us to ask the question 
Does that mean God wants a mixed up, muddled combination of, of good and evil in his story to the, to, that leads to the Messiah? And if that's true, then God could basically pick any living person out there. But if God demanded perfection in this story that leads to the Messiah, we can be sure of this. We can be sure of one thing. David widely missed that mark of perfection, just like the rest of us. So again, what does God care the most about? So let's get back to our story. God sends his prophet Samuel to, to Jesse of Bethlehem in order to anoint one of Jesse's sons and make that son the new king of Israel. And in verse 6 of chapter 16, we read, When Jesse's sons arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, which was Jesse's oldest son. And Samuel thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. This has got to be the guy, he says. And in verse 7, it, said, it reads, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So, if you were paying attention, Samuel is just naturally drawn. He's naturally drawn to Jesse's firstborn. He, he naturally thinks... He's the one because of, ironically, because of appearances. And it would be very fitting uh, in that culture for the eldest son to be the king, right? Even more fitting that he should be handsome and tall and strong like Eliab was. But just before Samuel anoints him as king, God stops him. He says, you're thinking the exact same way that the Israelites thought when they took Saul as a king. You're doing the same thing. And he says, I don't care about appearances. I care about the heart. I care about what's on the inside and not what's on the outside. It's obvious that Jesse, he, uh, he doesn't get this either because as the story goes, as the story goes on, uh, he parades all of his eldest sons. He parades all of them one by one to Samuel, and, and each one of them is consecutively rejected. And finally, Samuel he asks, he says, is anyone left? Well, yes, there's one, Jesse's youngest son. Uh, he's the least important son, though. In fact, he's so unimportant in the story that he wasn't even invited to the dinner with this prestigious guest. Samuel was a prestigious guest. And, and Samuel says uh, to send for him. And in verse 12, we, we read this. He says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So it turns out David is a decently attractive guy. Uh, but the narrator doesn't want that ultimately to distract us from the main point. It's not his handsomeness or his appearance that really matters. It's what's inside his heart that counts. So, so what is inside of David's heart? Uh, what is it that sets him apart from every other muddled, mixed-up combination of good and evil out there? And the truth is that, honestly, it's going to take 40 chapters to answer that question. Because 
Because character is proven, it is not defined. We have to see David under pressure, on the run, in, in lust and repentance and grief. In young age and in old age. Because the true test of character, it takes time. And, and that's true of us too. In the end, we should know this. David does not prove to be perfect or faultless or unambiguously good, but he does prove to be one thing. One most, imp- one, one, one most important thing he proves to be is faithful. It's, it's no mistake that the final scene in David's life in 2 Samuel is him building, he's building an altar. Do you remember this? An altar was a place where people would offer sacrifice, or it's where they would have worshipped the Lord. And here's what you need to know. This scene, it may have been actually written chronologically out of order, but the author of, of 1 and 2 Samuel wants to put it at the very end of David's life as the conclusion to David's life to make, to make one point, that at the end of the day, David's heart always remained true to the Lord. That at the end of the day, David worshipped the Lord. At the end of the day, David was faithful to him. So here's a really great takeaway, okay? And it's an application for our lives in this story. The end, the ending of David's story isn't a surprise ending. And why? Because right here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, before David's lifelong testing of his character, we are told that he is anointed the king after God's own heart. Walter Brueggemann writes, David is not a human accident, but a divine intention. He's saying that the final evaluation of David's life is actually made before he even lives it. He's saying that where David's life ends is no accident of social or political circumstances. Every bit of it is all divine intention. It's all God-willed. It's all God-actualized. When I told you earlier that what God cares about most is what's in your heart, on some level, I think that that should probably scare you a little. Um, It scares me a little, at least, because inside of my heart, there is beauty. But there's also horror because your heart and my heart are fickle beasts. Some days we're faithful to Jesus and other days we just fall flat on our face. But here's what you need to know. The ultimate destiny of your life is no human accident. It's no surprise ending. Your life, just like David's, is a divine intention. How do you know it? You might ask. It's because when you put your faith in Jesus and were buried with him in baptism, you were anointed by his spirit as a king after Jesus' own heart. You became an adopted son in Jesus' family, just the way that David became God's son. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
So Paul is saying, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you accepted the gift, this gift of faith, your future and your inheritance was set. Your life is a God-willed reality. Your future, is, your, your future will be no accident. So let's pray that we will take God's future purposes for our lives and capitalize on every opportunity to receive, uh, that, that every opportunity that we receive uh, in, in furthering the kingdom that we have, we have been blessed to receive and that we live on while we're on this earth too. We have people around us all the time that we can capitalize on to do this too. Let's not lose those opportunities. Notice that in verse 17 though, down here, it says that we will suffer with him and we will read a lot in this series about how David suffered for God on his journey, um, of this journey of displaying his character of faithfulness to God. David shows us that even in, in suffering or even in making mistakes that we can be faithful before God and that our efforts don't rest on our own capacities, but on God's ability to hold us up. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.